I don't know how many of you were able to watch the, uh, the service from Wednesday night, but I'm going to ask you to do this. When you have a chance, I want you to watch Wednesday night. There's three things that I mentioned at the very end. I want you to write those things down, and I want you to continue to do that for the next uh, at least uh, four to six weeks uh, because all of these things are a part of Sunday morning. Sunday morning is a part of this, and I'm really praying a lot. God, just help me to stay where I need to stay uh, so we can redeem the time of what's going on. I was talking to, well, I was talking to my sister last night, um, and I, I just shudder at the fact of people being left here when the trumpet sounds. And I don't know if y'all ever think about that. Uh, that's really all I think about. I think about I want to go home, but it, it grieves me because I think about 90 seconds after people, people that's been in the, I, I, I want to say in the religious uh, realm, I believe when they connect the dots and the news reports or the posts start coming in, at that moment when those two dots connect each other, oh my goodness, there's millions of people missing everywhere. And, and you hear of all the chaos. At that moment when that connects with their understanding of what has really just taken place, I, I, I could stand here and begin to just wail crying because it's at that, that particular moment, somebody that you know, and I hope it's not in this room, somebody is going to begin to cry uncontrollably realizing that they did not make it. That's going to be a bad time, folks, because you would give anything, this person would give anything to purchase five minutes prior to what just happened to make their calling and election sure. And so, I've never, ever been more serious than I am at this season in my life about making sure that I convey the Scriptures to you of the time we're living in. We're not ignorant of these times. We're not ignorant of His devices. We, God, God has given us a sound mind. We know what's going on. Because our daddy told us what's going on. And one of the hardest things that you are going to have to, to try to get victory over and be faced with, and I, I, I can already tell uh, Aaron Tyler or somebody, if you would just keep your finger on the mute button on my mic, because I'm going to need to clear my throat and I just don't want to advertise that. Y'all will get to hear it, but we don't want everybody to hear it. <clears throat> I'll try to give you a warning. But what we've got to figure out and what we've got to, to kind of zero in on as believers, God, what's the most important thing I can do? I want to give you a quick example. Uh, and I, I've shared this with you over the years. When Jesus was in the garden with his disciples, one of the things that uh, we know that he did before he was arrested. He could have healed people. He could have broke bread and fish and fed thousands more. He could have raised the dead people. But all of us in here know, what did he do? He went and he prayed. 
So there's good things we can do, but then there's the perfect will of God, the thing we need to be doing. And that's what I want to be doing. We're going to do things like shoe boxes. We're, going to try, we're trying to get creative to see how there's a way, as a church, we can still comply, be safe, and still meet needs out here, whether it's a big tent, uh, feeding people, passing by, doing some kind of outdoor drum. We don't even know. We just want to do something. But above all the doing, we want to make sure that we are exactly where God says we need to be. And so I think the hardest thing that we need to try to put our finger on and bring into, into where it just needs to be is being like Stephen, we're told, in the sixth chapter of Acts. Now, let me tell you how this is going to play out. And here I go, mute people. Thank you so much. You know what? God's got Vanna Whites everywhere, doesn't he? <laughs> Deanna was here the other week, and she helped me out, and now my baby's helping me out. <clears throat> I'd rather do this and it not be correct than y'all watching a video I record sitting at the house. Amen? Amen. Me too. So... What happened was Stephen, the church, had went through the whole Pentecost uh, experience and thousands were being added. Now, I want you to think in terms of right now. I still believe that the greatest revival, the greatest revival is right all over. I feel the Holy Ghost when I say that. I feel the greatest revival we have ever heard of, known of, is right among us right now. You don't think God can get magnificent glory right now with all this going on? He's the only one with the vaccine, folks. He's the only one with the answer. I think this is the greatest breeding ground there's ever been, even greater than the Great Depression. So... Thousands of people were being added to the church. All kinds of things were happening, miracle after miracle after miracle. But then the scriptures tell us in the sixth chapter of Acts that needs were starting to get, you know, some of those things I named a while ago, needs were starting to get neglected. And so they come up with a plan that says, look, it's not good for us to be, you know, waiting on tables and doing all these things that other people could do and we can give ourselves to the scriptures to praying and preaching and teaching and raising up more disciples and that all sounded good and so they said we need to pick out some men full of the holy ghost that's legit and say i'm just having to throw some stuff in there so you'll know where i'm coming from we don't need no jokers out here we need some guys that walk to walk and talk to talk i mean they need to be the real deal and so one of the guys uh, I just realized I lost my train of thought a while ago and I just got it back. But one of the guys was Stephen. Hold Stephen. I'm going to tell you this story. We're going to look at some things and then in a minute, like a silent movie, but it's only going to be in a song, you're going to get to see this whole story played out again with no words, all right? So you're going to get it twice today. So you, you listen the first time and you'll really gloat and enjoy the second time. So Stephen was one of the men that they called out, and uh, when they, they chose Stephen, 
this is one of the things that you need to remember. The criteria, the reputation that he had was that Stephen was a man that was full of faith. And this is in verse uh, 7, I believe. It says, he was a man full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost, or verse 6. If you jump over to verse 8, it said, he's still full now. But now he's full of faith and he's full of power. So this guy had a walk that was in demonstration. And everybody knew it. People knew it. So he was full of faith. He was full of the Holy Ghost. He was full of power. And verse, the latter part of verse 8 just says that uh, he was so full of this faith and power and he did great wonders among the people and miracles among the people and there was all kind of men coming, religious people, church people. This is why you got to stay in this word right here. This is going to get tougher by the day. And they would dispute with him, meaning they would want to argue with him. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. And so all kind of accusations were made about Stephen. Are y'all still with me? This is important. All kind of accusations were made about Stephen. Footnote. If you live right and you do right until Jesus comes back, all kinds of accusations are always going to be made about you. The Bible says Jesus came unto his own and his own received him, received him not. So all kinds of accusations were made about him. And then they said, okay, we're taking him before the council. They took him before the council. And right before that, when they were making these accusations in the 6th chapter, in fact, let me just read the last two verses of Acts chapter 6. It says, For we've heard uh, him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And the last verse says, And all who sat in council, in the council, looking steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. And I just want to tell you this very quick, friends. You can get sidetracked like the world is getting sidetracked. But when you're living right, you're full of faith, you're full of power, you're full of the Holy Ghost, it's going to be like a light. It's going to be written all over your face and people's going to want to know what you've got that they don't have. You can't deny it. And then when you go to uh, chapter 7, and we're telling a story today, so this is why things look a little different. He, he went to verse uh, chapter 7, and it shows us his attitude in the midst of all this going on. And I've warned you about watching mainstream media and, you know, uh, extremely biased newscasts, entertainment and everything else. I, I've warned you as best I could. But I'm telling you this. You can get so worked up with everything going on that you forget I'm still a representative of Jesus Christ and then your flesh can come out. So he started off in chapter 7 and he didn't let all this finger pointing get to him. He was very polite. In fact, he used the words men, brethren, 
and fathers. So it let us know what kind of spirit he had. If you're going to survive in this day, in this time we're living in, you've got to keep your attitude, you've got to keep your spirit, you've got to keep your testimony, it's got to stay in check. And I want to warn everybody here and everybody watching, the more we get into this before the trumpet sounds, the more your testimony is going to be tried and it's going to be challenged. Because you are all that God has, and Satan knows this, so he's going to try to unravel us. You see? He's going to try to get us to blend in with the world so there is no light, there is no salt, there is no hope anywhere. And we can't let it get to that. So he was just very polite. He said, men, brethren, fathers, and then he started. Verse 2, all the way to verse 50, giving a wonderful historical account of God's covenant, starting with Abraham all the way to Jesus Christ. And and stories in between that you're real familiar with, it would do your soul well to read it when you get home. And then what I love is when he got through, and, and by the way, see, when you are saying stuff that people are interested in, Oh, they're in there with you. Oh, they're on the edge of their seat. They just want to hear it. When you're saying stuff that's okay with everybody, then they're good with that. But he got real with them in verse 51. And after he got through with the historical, so he knew his stuff. He just wasn't a renegade out here. He knew why he believed in Jesus. He knew why he was sold out to Jesus. And verse 51 says, and we're going to read these verses because these are very good, and I love it. He said, after the history lesson, he just kept it rolling. said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one of whom you now become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it when they heard these things. Are y'all with me on verse 54? You know what I always like? People always like good preaching until it gets to them. People always love when you're preaching good. But son, if you get anywhere near their property line, oh my word, you need to do this one Sunday. You know them fiery darts? Talks about quenching the fiery darts. I, 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 I believe he wrote that when he was standing behind a pulpit somewhere. He said when the devil throws the fiery but you get some fiery darts when, when you just deliver the mail. And so people like good preaching until it hits home. Amen, amen, brother, they do. I like it until it hits home. But when they heard these things, they were cut to heart. And they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, here we go, here's where the money is today, being full of the Holy Spirit. Folks, you ain't going to get around that. You can try it, but you can't get around being full of the Holy Ghost. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, he wasn't dead yet. And said to them, look, 
I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears and they ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He fell asleep. How can you get to that place? How can I get to that place? That's the place we got to get to, folks. You've got to get to a place where you know the next phrase out of your mouth is probably going to have you killed. I'm trying my best to make sure that I'm there. And I don't know that I'm there. Being open and honest with you today, I want to be there because I don't ever know when we are going to be censored. And I will tell you, you know, we're through with the What's Happening series, but this, this bears repeating right now. The preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to come an underground thing before it's over with. Streaming, and I'm going to say it now, streaming the gospel of Jesus Christ on Facebook and YouTube will not always be there. I'm getting those looks again, but I don't care this week. I'm telling you, because, see, you can't see it yet, but you couldn't see a pandemic in January that would shut you down, neither could you. But you are certainly trying your best to wade through it, and it's going to come down. There's only one gospel, and it's going to be an antichrist gospel that's going to be preached, that's going to be allowed to be championed, and it's going to be worship, uh, 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 only one worship of a false dead God called Satan. And I want to tell you this right here. That we are, Satan's alive, I know he is, but his godship is dead. He has no God. There's only one God. And we need to take all we can into account while we can. And the only way to do that is to be full of the Spirit of God so you can live every breath in the power of God and the faith of God and the manifestations of what you don't, you don't care about your body. See, we've taken our body uh, too much into consideration. And because of that, there's been a huge price that's been paid personally, corporately, and as an entire nation because we care too much about our flesh that we've let the things of the Spirit go. We're not full of the Spirit of God anymore. We're full of life. We're full of the next pleasure. We're full of the next toy we can buy or the next trip we can go on or the next fad that's about to come. That's what we're full of. We're full of wanting you to like me and notice me. That's what we're, we live in a vain, vain world. And there's only one way to do that. And the Bible tells us how to do it. And I hope you're ready for this. This is the hardest thing you will do. It is the hardest thing you will do. I mean, this is even harder than somebody that did you wrong as a child. What I'm telling you, because this is part of it. Paul said in the ninth chapter of 1 Corinthians, only way you're going to be like Stephen, he said, I, Paul did, I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. 
lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. He means I live what I say. I, I, I live it. Now, I want to do something. Well, I want to do something. I want you to think about what I just told you and what you just read with me because this is a hard thing to do, folks. Your body is so used to complying. Your flesh is so used to complying with, with what you want, even good things. I don't mean dirty, rotten I, I just mean your body calls the shots. I was making a joke about eating a lot with uh, the steroid. But really, you do what your body tells you to do. I don't care what it is. We certainly do it outside of church. And, you know, one of the greatest lies that's ever been told, the devil made me do it. That's the biggest lie you could ever believe almost. The devil can't make you do anything. The devil can only say, uh, turn these stones into bread. Amen? Jump down off of this roof. Uh, have an adulterous relationship with that woman or man that's paying you attention. Put those extra hours on your time clock. The devil can't do anything. He can, he can give you some suggestions, and many times they're good suggestions to get you out of a bind, and he'll tell you that. But he's the father of all lies. And so all of my life has been, has been formed and fashioned around what my flesh likes to do. And the problem with that on top of that is that it has affected me in my walk with the Lord. I don't want you to raise your hand, but nobody in this room can say since the day I was saved, I've been on fire for God and every day, even when I was throwing up and had a 140 degree temperature, I got up out of my bed and I got down on my knees, and I fell on my face, and I worshiped God, and I read my Bible, and I called and won 10 people to Jesus. You know, I'm telling you some mess. You know why? Because some days we don't feel like doing things. Amen? We come in this church, we don't feel like doing things. I can tell you right now, I come in this church, I don't feel like preaching, let alone standing on my feet, singing and waving to God and shaking your hand when I could and hugging you. I want to be at the house getting better. And so my flesh, my flesh has robbed me a great deal of my Christian walk. And so Paul said, if you're going to get to the place where you're going to be like Stephen, where you're going to be full of faith, where you're going to be full of power, you're going to be full of the Holy Ghost, and you're going to be wise, so wise that your face looks like it's shining and you look like an angel, you're going to have to bring your body. You're going to have to discipline your own body. So see, this is what I do. And I'm, I'm not really just talking here. I'm talking about in general. Let's just say we're not in church. 
I, I get up in the morning, Opie. You know that you feel better when you get up and you start praising God, even with sinus pressure. You just start praising God. And my body says, no, just Angie, get me something to go on my head right now. Just, just go microwave that, that, that uh, sinus pack for me. Just go microwave it and bring it in here. Just bring me something that will open me up. And see, that's, that, this is what my body does. But see, what that word tells me I need to do is I need to take my body, because see, my body's right here, and my body's cool. Just take my body up out of that chair and say, now, you know when you come over here and, and you just get right here and take your body and push him down and get right here and, and take him, put him on up there, put him on, put, put, uh, but he's tired, put, put him on up there, and you, you, you just go on and do it anyway. Then you start feeling a little bit of them bumps coming down, and all of a sudden, if the pressure's still there, you're not thinking about it because you think he saved me. And I'm going to repeat it the third week in a row. In August of 1984, when I was wrapped around that pine tree at 11 p.m. at night, I walked away out of the hospital. He saved me. I had a wife. He called me to preach. You gave me a baby, Lord. You gave me a son-in-law. You gave me a, a grandbaby. You blessed me with the best church that's ever been called a church outside of Acts 2, God. You blessed me. You've let me see, Lord, life, Lord, for over 50 years, God. You've been good to this boy right here, and I worship you. See, when you bring your body into subjection right there when you discipline your body I don't know I was feeling the Lord and I was just up there praying but see I had to bring my body you see what my body wanted to do what did my body want to do folks my body wanted to do this and see you can't do that you've got to bring your body you lazy joker you get up God's been good to you you get up off that couch. If we're in church, you get up off that. God's been good to you. This ain't a museum. We're not here to watch. We're not here to spectate. I went over that about two months ago. We, we are here to glorify the king that is worthy. You get up, Opie. I don't care if your throat is hurting. Stand at the sound booth and keep your hands in there. I've been good to you this week. So you got to bring your body, though. Your body ain't going to do it. You got to do it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday too. And I got to remember this message when I get home and when I wake up tomorrow. Because you know what the devil did? Well, you preached yesterday. You know, you, you, you bought a few days on that. You don't need to do anything. That's a lie. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, because the carnal mind, the flesh mind, that, that's, that's like a fighting force against God. The carnal mind is enmity is what the King James used. It's enmity. It's controversial. It's resistant against God. It's not subject to the law of God. The Bible says neither indeed can be. And then it goes on to say in the very next scripture, so then those that are in the flesh right here, you cannot please God. You can tell yourself you a Christian and you know the Bible. You know everything. You can tell God everything you've done. But I'm telling you what the Word says. Those that are in the flesh, you cannot please God. And I am talking to me if this is not for anybody else. I am preaching to myself right now. I, if you are in the flesh, you can't please God. You can't and you won't please God. And the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 2, 
I've been crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. Now, I need to stop right here. I'm about through. I need to stop right there. I've been crucified with Christ. What does that mean? That means that if I've been crucified with Christ, my flesh, my likes, the enmity, my mind, my fleshly mind, all that's dead. It's gone now. Do you hear me? You know what I'm saying? I've been crucified with Christ. And I want to just say something that I have not planned on saying today. A lot of people think that they are saved. They had a religious experience, but they have not they've not been crucified with Christ. And if you haven't died with Christ, you can't live or through Christ. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. Stephen was saying with his body, I don't care if they kill me. I've been crucified. The only thing about me that's living now is Jesus and his cause. I don't care about going to the Grand Canyon. I don't care about saving money and flying to the moon one day. I've crucified all that. It's just Jesus in the house now. If you see me uptown, it's just Jesus. If you try to lure me to get me to do something, no, uh I'm dead. That don't work with me no more. That guy's dead. I've been crucified with Christ. And we need to know this because the longer we live into this going into tribulation, getting closer and closer and closer, the more things are unraveling and unfolding, you need to be able to say, and your attitude will be, it's only Christ living now. So I don't care if I die because my flesh, my will has already died. And so Jesus is not going to take me out here till I'm through living for him. And you know what? I want to think that a part of that when he told us he took away the sting of death. Hallelujah. I want to think that it's got some of that included because I can tell you a lot. I know I'm not standing here with somebody with a gun to my head, but I'm not scared of dying, folks. In fact, if you want me to be honest, I'm almost more afraid to live right now in this world with the whacked up people. Forget the coronavirus. You live around some fools, people. They scare me. Amen. I, hey, I want to go to heaven. So I've been crucified with Christ. No longer this I that's living, but it's Christ that lives in me. And here is our focus. The life which I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith. What was Stephen full of? Faith, power, the Holy Ghost. I live by Faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Stephen did that. You know, I know a lot of guys, oh, my word, they want to be mega big time preachers. They, they want to bless their little hearts. I, I mean, I see it all, all over the place. People want, oh, my word, so much. But I love the fact that Stephen and those other men that were with him, 
They didn't have to post their own pictures. They didn't have to do anything. All they did was live right. They qualified themselves, and they stood out in the crowd. It's time for Multitudes Church to quit blending in. It's time for the people of God. Oh, my word, it's time for us to start standing out. And I don't mean us, our name. I mean our walk. People need to say, you know what? I asked five other people at work to pray for me. But that one lady over there, oh, my goodness. I believe she goes to that weird church, you know, that cult one inside that brown building over there. I asked her to pray for me, and before she got through praying, I felt like I was when I was 13 years old. See, you can live in a way that you just kind of, you got the goods, and everybody else just thinks they got the goods. Amen? And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take that. It's going to take me bringing my body. So you know what? I love y'all, and I want to pray for y'all, but I got so much of me I need to pray for today. I don't need to be praying for you that you can get to where I am because if I pray that some of y'all gets to where I am, it's going to throw you back because you're so much further than I am. So I'm the one, not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. So that's your homework. It don't matter if they're going to... It don't matter. You're going to lose your job. We're going to take your house. There's coming a time, I believe, that people are going to have to make decisions. They are. Too much going on in the world. People are going to have to make decisions. And so God's told me over these past, well, in the six months, but the past 45 days, he says, man, you better focus on getting the people ready. And I'm going to tell you this, and I'm really going to pray, but I can't get away from the parable of the ten virgins. I've heard it I don't know how many times in a 14-day span. And... The teaching there is there were ten virgins. All of them had a lamp, but only five of those understood that the bridegroom could come any time. And five of them, 50%, took it to heart. Take this message to heart today, folks. 50% of them did what they should have done, which was what God told them to do. They trimmed their lamps. The Bible said even after doing all that, all ten of them slumbered. Every one of them still got in the flesh. You, you got to forget about your flesh, folks. You, you can't slumber now. This ain't the day to slumber. We are thick in this mess, you hear me? Today's not the day. You need to be feeling that thing. You need to pray, God, I want you to fill me with the Holy Ghost over and over again. I want to keep this lamp so full, and I'm going to trim it. I'm cutting away things that have distracted me, relationships that always just end up with me doing stupid things. I'm getting away from all this bad decision-making. God, I'm, I'm, I'm getting rid of TV or Internet, whatever's influencing me. I'm trimming this lamp because I want to go, and only half of the church went is what the teaching there is. And the Bible says they went in and the door was shut. 
I told you the horrible feeling of people being left when I first started this message. There's coming a time when the archangel is going to step out on the clouds, going to blow the trumpet, and the dead in Christ is going to rise first. And then those that are alive and remain will be called up, and we're going to meet them in the air, and the door is going to be closed. And then about a few seconds after that, it's going to dawn on somebody in this building or somebody that you love. Oh, my word. I did not discipline my flesh. I, I held on to it. I refused to do it. I kept things my way. And then they knock. And you know what the Bible says? He says, get away. You're not getting in. I never, listen, I never knew you. I need you to bow your head with me today because all of us really, 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 we need the help of God. Father, I have a hard time, Lord, with my flesh. God, I know I don't do anything what people would consider wrong. It's not the wrong that I do. It's, it's the right that I neglect to do, Lord, because of my flesh. I don't give you all the glory due your name. I don't use every opportunity to try to point somebody to Jesus. And I know how critical the time is right now. I don't look at every day as a blessing to make sure that my house is in order. I don't pray for my unsaved loved ones and friends that I don't want left here. I don't do that, God, and it's all because of my flesh. And when I don't do that, Lord, then I just don't do other things correctly. So, God, I, I need you to help me today. I know other people are praying. And there's people that are right now that you don't claim to be a Christian. And you know that you need to do something. And all you need to do is just say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. I'm ready to make the change that's been needed for so long, and I am ready to crucify my flesh so that only you live the rest of my days on this earth. God, and I pray for people watching or people that will watch later that the words of the Holy Scriptures, God, would saturate them, Lord. It's the only hope we have is your word, Lord. And God, and I want you to be glorified in all that you do, Father, I'll give you praise. In the holy name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God, I know that if we would give you our bodies, not only would our lives change, our families, the people we work with, but Lord, everybody that's so caught up in all the other things, we would begin to see revival. God, and I'm praying to you for revival. I know there's, there's no other solution, God, than mighty revival, Lord. God, and I pray in the name of Jesus, I want to be a man full of faith. I want to be full of power. I want to be so full Lord of the Holy Ghost, God. And I got to do that. I got to give myself away, Lord. 
You can't bring somebody else's body. You've got to bring your own body into subject. Don't try to fix nobody else. Say, God, it's me. I need to surrender me to you. If you prayed a while ago, those of you online, if you prayed and you asked the Lord to give, give you brand new life, if you would just text the word SAVED to 910-411-99. I believe they have it on the screen for you. Or if you're on a computer, you just open up another tab and type multitudeschurch.com slash SAVED. And we're going to help you out. Hallelujah. Everybody everywhere, I want to do that right now. Give yourself away. Let him hear those words from your heart. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Tell him. Let him hear you say that. I give myself away so you can use me. Give myself away. Is that your prayer today? Sing it. Let him hear you say, forget anybody else in this room or in the room you are at. You're at home. This is you and your body bringing your own body into subjection. I give myself away. I give myself away. So you can use me. I give myself away. bless the people. You would keep them, make a face shine upon them, Lord. I pray, God, you would do great and mighty works among the people. Let the people be so full of power, of faith, of the Holy Ghost, God, that our face shines brighter than news, than the internet, than people's opinions. Lord, and it's all because of our walk. I pray in the name of Jesus this week that you would be what we're hungry for. 
I pray you let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer.